Containers are an innovator to watch. They are disrupting digital freight and bringing, helping to bring freight forwarders into the digital economy. You're not going to want to miss the episode that I just did last week with Graham Parker, the CEO of Containers. So go and check that out. That's at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 65. Welcome to Let's Talk Supply Chain. My name is Sarah Barnes-Humphrey, and each week I bring you the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, new innovation, and most up-to-date information about supply chain. I believe that collaboration is the future of business, and I have designed this show to ensure you have all the information you need to succeed in business and in your supply chain. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder, has to say. How long does it take you to get a duty rate or guidance on the right HS classification from your current customs broker? With Border Buddy's new revolutionary self-service technology, you will never go traditional again. We have created a platform that allows you to get instant quotes on duties, taxes, and customs fees to import your products into North America. To get 10% off your first clearance, sign up at borderbuddy.com forward slash let's talk supply chain. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. There are so many amazing things happening right now. Episode one of the Trade Squad, it's out and it's on YouTube. Go and check it out. We're getting a ton of really great feedback and we just wrapped filming on episode two that I cannot wait to share with you. And this week, part four of my video series with JDA about the autonomous supply chain is coming out on Thursday. If you haven't caught up and you haven't seen part one, two, or three, make sure to go over to the SC Supply Chain TV on YouTube and get caught up. People are loving the episodes. They're also over on the LinkedIn page, the Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn page. So go and check that out. Plus, it's the beginning of June, so you know what that means. It is time to spotlight another powerhouse woman in supply chain. Before I, But before I do that, and before I let you in on who our guest will be today, let's get to the question of the week. So the question is, IMO 2020 is the first step towards limiting the carbon footprint, but how feasible would speed limits be? And do we want resources allocated to managing speed limits? Well, Keelan Spence he actually commented on link on the LinkedIn page. He said, I agree that the end user will ultimately pay the cost associated with carbon footprint reduction. The reason why he said that is because in the post I said, who is going to ultimately pay the price of the resources for this? And that's going to be the consumer as usual. I also read an article that it's going to, speed limits are just a temporary solution and it's going to slow down 
shipping, which is going to hurt our customer experience. So not only is the consumer going to be hurt by additional costs, it's also they are also going to be impacted by that experience. So Keelan also went on to say this has been the case with all carbon reduction programs. I'm skeptical on the tactics of speed reduction being deployed. But then again, I'm not an expert in the mechanics of marine propulsion systems. I would also be curious to know if there are any players that would be given exemptions or rebates to these costs. That is a really great point because you've got some really large shippers that might be looking for some reduction in costs and then again get that competitive advantage all over again. So remember to weigh in on the questions. I pose a question every single Wednesday over on the Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn page also on our Twitter and our Instagram. And you can be featured on an upcoming episode of Let's Talk Supply Chain. So today I am joined by Brenda Santoro. She is global finance over at Silicon Valley Bank. And last year, for the last year, Brenda has been a great mentor and she's been a great resource for me um, as I build ships. And I'm really, really excited to share her and her story with the community. But first, let's get to know a little bit more about her. She's a global strategic transformative executive board member and advisor. Her experience includes working with companies in structuring global financing, strategic partnerships with multi multilateral institutions, product strategy, and leading significant PL global businesses. She has delivered double-digit revenue growth and profitability, respected thought leader in international business strategy, finance, and policy, and has a worldwide network of trusted partnerships. So welcome to the show, Brenda. Well, hello, Sarah. Well, first of all, I want to thank you because you have spent so much time talking with me, um, talking to me about, you know, just business, you know, the shipping industry, trade finance. And I really just appreciate you taking the time to, you know, just spend some time with me and talk to me about what you do and, and help me with ships. So thank you very much for that. You're welcome. It's been fun. I've enjoyed our conversations. Awesome. Well, let's get to you now. So I want you to tell me about your journey. What did you want to be when you grew up? And what did your path look like? What did your career look like on your way to the role that you currently have at SVB? Sure. Great questions. Uh, so I started out um, when I was a kid. We had a long list of magazines in our house National Geographic magazines, and I read, spent a lot of time looking through them when I was a kid. So I knew that I always wanted to travel. Um, that was always a part of where I wanted to, to focus, any job that would provide travel for me. Uh, I thought international banking would be a great way to do that. I've been able to do that uh, through my profession. Uh, truth be told, most of my family are doctors. Um, so I originally started out um, focusing on medicine, but quickly decided that I preferred international travel. And so here I am. 
Nice, nice, nice. I love that because um, a lot of times with international trade and, you know, maybe freight forwarding, logistics, the whole supply chain thing, everybody thinks it's an interesting career, but they don't necessarily think about the international aspect and maybe some of the opportunities that they would get as far as, you know, traveling and different things like that. So I'm glad that you put that into perspective. And so, you know, what did... What have you done between the time that you decided that you didn't want to be a doctor and now you're at SVB? Can you talk a little bit about in between? Like, did you go to different places? Did you try different things? And how did you sort of land up or end up at SVB? So I did do a lot of different things. In college, I studied overseas on a Georgetown exchange program in Holland. Uh, and then... Nice. One of my favorite places. Yes. Kandelonsreken. Uh, and then I graduated and uh, focused on finance, again, international finance. While I was in college, I actually did an internship with a bank in their international division in Texas, where I went to school, and knew, as I said, that international finance was going to be my focus. I was really interested in emerging markets and commerce around the world. Uh, so um, I decided to move to California after I graduated and started my career at HSBC. Great organization, great institution, learned a lot, uh, spent a lot of time working with the company, financing companies that were, were doing business pretty significantly on an international basis and helping to solve for their working capital needs. So after I left HSBC, I went to a small asset-based lender, still involved in finance, not so much international. And then the opportunity for to work at SVB came along and it's been a fast journey. I've done a lot of dif different things here. I helped to build out the international business for the organization. Uh, I was in international credit products. So I've been fortunate enough at SVB to do have a lot of different opportunities and have always sort of said yes to opportunities that were presented in front of me. I would highly encourage anybody who, when something comes their way, to raise their hand and, and go for it. Uh, even if they think they may not have the skill set because learning and growing, it's better to be planted than not. So that's a short description of my uh, journey, my career, if you will. And uh, it's been great fun so far. And I've always stayed firmly planted in the international aspect of business. So I'm still having fun. Yeah, great. And, you know, a lot of times what you just brought up happens with women in their career. They don't go for the opportunities. They don't take that chance to learn because um, a lot of the times we don't think that we have maybe the skill sets needed, whereas men will take advantage of those opportunities a lot quicker, regardless of whether they have the skill sets or not, because they know that they'll learn on the job or be able to at least you know, get themselves to where they need to be in that position. Right. So it's an important point to make for women in supply chain, women in international trade and finance is to take that opportunity and really just learn, yeah. you know, that's what we're all here for. So um, your role combines, you know, trade and banking, two fundamentally important pieces to business today. And so tell me about, you know, what are the exciting things that you get up to on a daily basis? You obviously have a great time. 
Um, you love your career. So tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, the exciting things that you encounter on a day-to-day basis. Well, the thing that gets me up every day at Silicon Valley Bank is the opportunity to help companies um, in the innovation economy. That, and it's, you know, they're usually, a, a, they are normally a growth story. So being able to help solve for their challenges of growing internationally, providing work and capital solutions that help to enable that and trying to find creative ways and bringing capabilities to bear uh, that ensure that we're part of that conversation is really what drives me every day. I've got a great team of people uh, that help support the business here and an open organization that is very entrepreneurial. I would say that we're more like a tech company than a bank. And so a lot of fun, a lot of change, a lot of growth and, and willingness to pivot but also willingness to look at new ideas and new ways of doing business. So I really appreciate that. And I come to work every day thinking about how can I add value? What can I do to grow the business? What can I do to deliver for my team? And if I do that, and also for our clients, of course, and if I do that, I think I'm delivering on uh, the opportunity that's in front of me. So I've got a great responsibility um, to do that. And so that's really what occupies my mind every day, making sure that I have fun while I'm doing that and we laugh a lot. So that's great. Yeah, that's great. You got to laugh, right? You've got to have a good time. Otherwise, what are you doing there? Exactly. Life is short. Got to have fun doing what you're doing. And a couple of key points there. So um, I just actually went to the SVB um, event uh, because you just launched in Canada. Yes, we have. Which is very exciting yeah. when you talk about the growth strategy, right? Exactly. Well, Canada and the United States are natural trading partners, and a lot of our clients have been operating there for quite some time. So it's just a natural extension of our business that we yeah. located there. And Barbara Dirks uh, leads that business in Canada. I'm so glad that you were able to take advantage of it. Um, and I look forward to continued growth in that market. I think there are a lot of synergies uh, cross-border, and it's a market that I, that often most people go into Europe first, or most companies would look to Europe first. Uh, I think Canada and the United States are important trading partners and it makes complete sense. And we've got a great opportunity to continue to grow our business in that market. And Barbara's the right person to lead that effort. Yeah, we've got a we've got a growing tech community as well, which I think, you know, is perfect for SVB because a lot of things that you that you do and companies that you work with are in the tech space. I just want to ask you quickly though, so do you work with mostly startups? Do you work with mid-sized businesses or enterprise? Uh, across all of those uh, that complete okay. So companies that are seed early stage all the way to post IPO. So we cover the spectrum um, and our solutions are really focused on supporting, really we're focused on supporting the innovation economy and helping. And for us, it's all about our clients' success and ensuring that we're there to support them every step of the journey. And uh, the thing that's been most exciting for me is to see over the past 10 years, our growth and our global capabilities. I think there's obviously there's a lot of opportunity in the innovation economy uh, internationally And so to be part of an organization that sees that and executes against that and delivers most importantly for our clients across the spectrum, I think we've got uh, a window into the market like no other organization. Uh, So it's fun being here and being a part of that equation. 
Well, and that's going to keep it fun, right? If you're working with startups that are, you know, super excited about what they're doing and just getting started in the world, they're changing the world, right? So you get to work with those people. And then you also get to work with the companies that have been there for a while that are looking at their exit strategies, right? Or even looking at different strategies like the IPO and helping them through that. And so you're able to see businesses from all sides, which to me sounds absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's a great window into the economy, the innovation economy, and the relationship teams that interact with the clients on a regular basis. Uh, that is, I think, from what I've seen, what excites them most on, an, on a daily basis. They get to work closely with these companies, and there's there's a lot of trust and, again, responsibility in, in engaging that way. So, again, it's what makes SVB so special. Um, it's the way that we go about uh, working with our clients. It's a close relationship. It's the solutions, both you know, the science and, and the art that we bring to delivering them what they need. But I like the fact that we put our clients front and center at everything that we do. And so um, it, it just makes us a very different institution uh, to, to others, I believe, out there in the market. So let's get back to your journey. Sure. Um, I want to find out from you, because a lot of times when I talk to the women in supply chain in the community, they want to hear from other women what challenges they had throughout their career and how they overcame them. Um, and I, I believe the reason for that is that we all experience so many different things, whether we're women, whether we're men, you know, w- whatever that looks like for you. But I think for women particularly, um, they want to learn from other women how you've dealt with challenges um, in your career. So can you tell me a little bit about some of those and how you've overcome them? Sure. Um, I would say the one that comes to mind most for me was finding my own voice. Uh, I've always yeah. been very outspoken. Um, and just coming to work with an, an, an authentic voice, uh, representing who I really was and not being afraid to sit at the table and communicate my points of view. And the organization here really wants your point of view um, and they want you to weigh in. And I think we've evolved quite a bit. So if there were challenges at SVB, I haven't had significant challenges. I would say that the one that comes to mind most is really just when you're at the executive table, finding your true voice and being authentic in the way that you communicate and standing your ground and standing in your power. Uh, to communicate whatever your point of view is, I think is a was a, a an important learning for me um, a while ago, early on in my career, and I've tried to stay true to that um, as I move throughout my day. Uh, so that that's one thing that I think about quite a bit, and I would encourage whoever's listening to this to sort of use that as a key takeaway. Um, and I probably could have used that advice earlier on in my career, uh, but. Mm-hmm. You know, lessons to my 20-year-old self would be exactly that. Uh, just don't be afraid to use your authentic voice and to bring, to stand in your power as you go into uh, whatever meeting or throughout the course of your day and use that to the best benefit of the organization and those around you so you can get to the right end goal. Yeah, but it was it was never encouraged, right? Even even when I was growing up and getting into my career and things like that, it wasn't encouraged. We didn't hear words like authentic self right. 
and, you know, self-care or self-talk or different things like that. So, you know, I, I also think that it's great advice to give to another woman that's, you know, either in the same category as us who has grown up sort of that way where we never heard these words before to say, hey, you know, it's okay. Right. Yeah. Let's, I never let's I know. No. So I, my, my growing up, it was a little bit different for me. I was never told I couldn't. Um, I never in, certainly in my household, it was never, you can't do this or you have to be a certain way. Um, we didn't right. talk about being your authentic self, but my mom, who was a single mom, encouraged us to get focused on education and, but she never constrained us in any way. Um, so mm-hmm. I think that was a good thing. I never came to the work environment with any expectations about how I should be, which I think was a good thing. It wasn't until I actually got to work um, in the work environment where I encountered expectations about how I should be. And that was a little bit odd for me coming from such a free yeah. um, environment with five, four sisters and one brother. Um, so mm-hmm. uh, that was an adjustment for me. So my experience is a little bit different from most people. I was never told I couldn't. Um, and therefore I did. Uh, so it wasn't until I got to work that I ran in at the start of my career uh, that I ran into um, sort of perceptions or expectations about how one should be. I've tried to ignore them and really just focus on being myself. And I, I think that's a healthier way to be, to come to work and represent who you are and bring your best strengths. Uh, that's the best advice I could give because if you operate in an environment where you're not being truly who you are, I don't think it's healthy and it doesn't represent the best that you have to give in that particular situation. You want to be working in an environment where you're delivering on your strengths um, and and working in a, a group setting where you can contribute the best you have to offer. And that That is what brings joy. And if that's not happening, then I would say take some deep reflection, decide what would and don't be afraid to yeah. make changes. I don't really buy into the concept of fear. Um, you know, it happens, but I think when you experience fear, you just acknowledge it and kind of move through it. Um, rather than letting it derail you, you just kind of forge ahead. Uh, it's present for everybody, man or woman, and um, I wouldn't apply a label to it. I would just say, okay, I'm a little, I've got a bit of fear here. Okay, big deal. Let's just move ahead and see how things land. That would be my advice. Yeah, no, it's great because um, I was going to say with your, like you have to do some work on yourself, obviously, to make sure that it is your authentic self and it resonates with you and it sits well with you too, right? You've got to get to that point where you know what those things are and you're able to articulate it and make sure that you can, you know, include that in everything that you do. Um, So I love that you said that and just want everybody to know that it's possible, right? And if you're not there yet, it's okay because this is just a journey. It's not an end destination. Yeah, it's a journey that's uniquely individual. And Mm -hmm. um, I think comparison is probably the worst thing that anybody can do. You've got your own gifts and talents that you bring to the world. And, you know, my job is to represent those in the best way that I can. And, um, you know, I don't worry about a lot of the other stuff. Um, I just, you know, want to be the best that I can be on a, a daily basis and bring that to bear in the work that I do and the results that I drive. 
Yeah, and throw away those labels that cause us so much much angst. And I am guilty of it. I mean, people have heard me on this show before say that I have a big fear of public speaking, which I do. And I understand what you're saying about trying not to put a label on it. But when you have this deep-seated fear like I do, it's a little difficult. Well, (laughs) <laughs> Acknowledge it. You know, I'm not saying don't don't pretend it's not there. It's I think it's, yeah. I, you know, I've got it in the first five minutes of every time I stand on stage. Um, I actually yeah. like public speaking, so do I have a lot to say. Um, so, but you know, in the first five minutes, it's always a little bit nerve wracking for me. But I just made the decision that I'm just going to stand up there and uh, I'll be prepared. But this is who I am, and I'm going to deliver the best that I can and you know, I got up there and I spoke and congratulations for that and awesome. And yeah, I was scared. Sure. There was fear, but you just kind of move on. Um, I love that. Yeah. You just move on. And, yeah. Don't, I would say, don't let it, don't let it own you. Just acknowledge it and move on. Awesome. So I know you just gave us advice, you know, for women in their career and sort of finding their voice and finding their authenticity. But I want to switch gears on that for a minute because I want to get some advice from you for maybe somebody looking to change industries in their career or even looking to go into the startup space. You work with a lot of startups. um, So you're talking to a lot of different founders and people that obviously went from C-suite potentially into a startup, um, what advice would you give them? So it kind of points back to what I've been saying in, in this conversation. I think you really have to ver- have a very good sense of who you are first and also okay. who you're not um, mm-hmm. and what your key strengths are, what your values are, um, and be very aware of that when you go in to make a decision about what direction you're going to go. Am I the type of person that would want to start a company? Am I comfortable with taking uh, that kind of risk, uh, perceived or, or real or not? Um, and just be honest with yourself. And I think I would use that as a guide for decisions that I make. If you've got clarity okay. about that, uh, I would use that to, and what you know, have a sense for what are your superpowers? What are the things that you're really good at? And play to your strengths. And so, just think about who you are, what your values are, what really matters, and that's so uniquely individual. What are your superpowers? And use that to guide you and make decisions about where you go directionally. And depending on where you are in your career, don't be afraid to try different things or, um, you know, to do something different uh, outside of your comfort zone, if it makes sense for you, given where you are in your career and, you know, financially it works out for you. Everybody's got their own um, considerations in that regard. But I would just do some deep thinking and have some clarity about who you are and where you want to go and then use that as a guide to make decisions directionally. Yeah. And a couple of points on that. One is to keep an open mind because right now roles are changing. You know, uh, companies are taking a look at different skill sets and how they can be applied. And so you actually never know what kind of role you might end up in, in a different industry. Exactly. Depending on what country, what company you're talking to, depending on what industry they're in, you know, and depending on how they're thinking about talent. 
because now everybody is thinking about talent so differently. Mm-hmm. And so I would actually add on to what you said and really write down what you're good at and what you enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. And maybe then go out and see if there is a career option for you that can marry some of those and really take a look at different roles and what's out. And it's don't, the value of a network cannot be underestimated. Oh, advice and guidance. uh, You know, just having conversations with people who are working where you want to be and doing what you think you want to do so that you can get a sense for whether or not this is a fit. For you and so your concept to so first of all your points are really great but secondly the concept of being open you know one thing i've learned particularly of late is that things i've always known that things change but just be open to something that may not be exactly what you expected you know it may be the world sort of presenting an opportunity to you that you really should consider that you may not have been open to before so uh, you yeah. may it that that path may not always be linear and um, it's there are twists and turns. So uh, in terms of making decisions around, you know, career path and what you do, I just, I think your concept of being open is a good one uh, because I think the universe does have a way of presenting you opportunities that may not be something that you have, cons- you would have considered initially. And uh, you know, yeah. it may lead you down a path that you had never Yeah, and talking about uh, the value of a network, the one thing that I am going to put out there is that when you're reaching out to people on LinkedIn, you're asking them to do something for you, you need to make sure that you're going to give them value from the get-go, right? If you're going to build your network on LinkedIn, which I love LinkedIn, I think LinkedIn is a huge asset to anybody's career and network and connecting. Um, but I get a lot of messages, you know, and a lot of it is about them, Yeah, you know, and not what they can bring to the table or what's the value that they can bring to me or how we can collaborate. You know, it's about what I can give to them, which when you're talking to somebody and you want them to be part of your network, you want to learn from them, you want to engage with them, you really got to put yourself in the mindset of how do I bring value to them and not how do they bring value to me? Yeah, I completely agree. And I think the most important thing that anybody can ask somebody that they're trying to connect with is how can I help you? What can I do for you? Yeah. That really should be the first question that you think about. Um, mm-hmm. I think natural Absolutely. things come your way, but I think you do need to have a servant mentality. Um, and mm-hmm. that's, and again, things may not happen in your time frame, and that's okay. Uh, but I think the first question really needs to be around, what can I do for you? How can I help you? Um, and the Absolutely. rest will take care of itself. Absolutely. So I was going to ask you about diversity. Mm-hmm. What do you think about diversity? What do you think we should get better at? Hmm, I wasn't expecting that question. <laughs> diversity, I, well, it's clear the research indicates that uh, when you have diverse teams, you get, you have better outcomes. Um, yeah, you do, yeah. I know that when I started my career, it was never, I finance, in particular, international finance was never a diverse industry. Uh, I didn't yeah. make it an issue for me. I focused on um how can I continue moving forward? Um, you know, and if I felt that I needed to get 
just value or just representation. I certainly went in and advocated for myself, which I think is an important skill. Don't be afraid. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, So I think diversity is less gender focused and more just having a broad spectrum of capabilities, um, you know, backgrounds, age mix, and you get to much better outcomes. And I love having diverse opinions. I don't always have the answers. I need, I look to my team to help me. I love the the collaboration that comes from diverse points of view. I want people to speak up. Um, That way we get to a better business solution and a better outcome for our clients and, and for the firm. So I like having diverse teams. Um, I want somebody to feel comfortable that they can be honest with me in a conversation and give me their point of view. And um, it's my job to make the final decision. But uh, certainly it's no surprise there needs to be more diverse teams, more diverse organizations. At SVB, I think we've done an incredible job of focusing on this issue. And um, within the HR uh, department, I they've really partnered with some stellar organizations to bring this to bear. And they're looking at it across a a broad spectrum. So if you want an example of an organization that has really pivoted in the right way, I think SVB is that uh, in Mm -hmm. the financial services industry. And I give credit to our head of HR, Chris Edmonds-Waters, and the whole HR team and also the executive team. I think we really take it. They've taken a hard look at what can we do better? How can we challenge ourselves? And I think the results that you see for us as an organization in terms of the frameworks and the programs that we have in the training um, and the work that we're doing to advance a diverse set of employees is reflected uh, in that commitment to create a greater diverse environment. And through that, because we're so connected to the innovation economy um, and the world of startups and, and uh, uh, venture funding, I think we will demonstrate, we will encourage the rest of the industry to move forward. So I would look to what we've done. I think we've done a great job. Um, and of course, there's still more work to be done. But I just, Absolutely. yeah, I think the conversations that are going on right now, the level of awareness and focus at all levels is a good thing. And we'll get to the place we need to be um, if we're not already there yet. And one, uh, by the way, one of the things I really love that we're doing is we're working with organizations like Europe um, to bring um, students from underrepresented communities into SVB and giving them opportunities in the industry in a way they may right. not previously. That's an example of how SVB, we're always taking a different view and a more comprehensive view. To how can we solve for this issue and really stand up right. as an organization? So uh, I think just broadly speaking, we've done a great job. And I would look to SVB as an organization that really is working hard uh, to move the needle. Yeah, so you're leading the way and and making an example, but I like the fact that you spoke about diversity being collaboration. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not necessarily like, obviously, there's roots to diversity. But at the same time, it's just about having that diverse group of people with different mindsets, different opinions that can bring that creativity, bring that innovation, bring that strategy so that we can do the best that we can, not only for ourselves, but for each other, for the company, for our customers. And so I like that explanation of diversity. So before we go, I want to get into your future. What's next for Brenda? 
Well, so I'm really excited right, right now, right in front of me, I'm very focused on enabling our capabilities for our clients in a much broader way for the international innovation ecosystem. Uh, that's a, a, a capability that I'm really focused on um, bringing to bear in the organization. Uh, so that's what I'm working on right now. It's really expanding um, our capabilities to support our clients internationally uh, for their working capital needs. Uh, the second thing that I think about a lot, a little bit separate from SVB, is capitalism 2.0. Uh, really, how does capitalism need to change beyond the current um, NGO philanthropic model, particularly in emerging markets? And how does business as a force for good tie to that? Um, I think that it's got business has a place in driving growth in emerging market economies in a way that perhaps um, is a little bit different in thinking than uh, past NGO philanthropic efforts. And actually, that's one of the things that I wrote my master's thesis about. So I care a lot about, I'm just curious about what causes economies to grow, particularly internationally. What are the, what is, what are the foundational things that they need in place to enable that? And as economies grow, I think that you create a more peaceful world. Um, right. So I, I love that. Yeah, I think about that a lot. Um, and how can what I do on a daily basis contribute to that? Um, that's the most important thing. And then the, the other piece is my family, you know, and just making sure that uh, everybody's in a good place. My husband and I are enjoying life and making sure that, you know, we have no regrets. Uh, so I kind of bucketed in three things. I think that's the most that you can focus on. Uh, the big yeah. topic for me, I'm excited about what's right in front of me. Um, this, the big topic in the middle, um, I've been thinking about writing about and doing more work. Um, so there you go. Three things, three important things. Um, work, well, work, writing in my family. Oh, nice. Well, so, you know, and it's important to really, you know, not only take a look at your business life, but look at your personal life as well, right? Um, because we spend a lot of time at work, but we also have family and we have a personal life and we've got personal goals. And, you know, we all want to hear about those too, because those are super important. And I'm really excited that you are in my network. Um, I'm really excited to see you know, what's going to happen for you in the future. So be yourself, collaboration, and stop labeling are all things to consider as you journey to success. Everyone's journey is different and the path is never straight. But hopefully, Brenda has given you some inspiration and motivation in this episode today. If you would like to connect with Brenda and learn more about this episode, please visit letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode, I think it's 66. Um, thank you so much, Brenda, for coming on the show and spending your time with me today. Oh, it was great to chat, Sarah. Thanks for the opportunity. It's been really great. If you liked this episode, be sure to check out the other powerhouse women in my Woman in Supply Chain podcast series, plus the blog. You will hear all about their journeys to success, the challenges they've overcome, the risks they've taken, and they just share their stories and they are very authentic about how they got to where they are today. Go and check both of those out, the articles and the episodes over at Let's Talk Supply 
supplychain.com. And next week, get ready as I speak to the 20 most innovative companies to watch in 2019. That's right. I have the CEO from algo.ai on the show here to tell you why you should be looking out for them and potentially making them part of the resource toolkit that you need to be successful, not only in your supply chain, but in your business. Thank you so much. I appreciate all your love and support. And if you want to get involved and be a part of the, of the trade squad and my community, here are a few ways to do that. Number one, rate and review the show. Please go and do that so other people can find the show and so I can feature you on an upcoming episode. Next, go to the Supply Chain Dictionary on letstalksupplychain.com. 107 pages full of acronyms and definitions that you're going to need in your supply chain journey. Next, go to ships.com. That's S-H-I-P-Z.com. Again, I'm working on the beta almost ready to be able to share with the people that want to be a part of that beta. Make sure you go and um, sign up at ships.com and you will be one of the first people to know once we're ready to launch and what we have been working on. And lastly, follow us on LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Check out the question of the week on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram every single Wednesday. Check out and subscribe to YouTube, The Trade Squad Show. Episode one is out getting some really, really great reviews. Plus, I have some video series on there. They are small episodes, three to five minutes long, giving you takeaways that you can implement right away about different parts of your supply chain. Subscribe to the newsletter at letstalksupplychain.com so you can find out what's going on and about the new episodes as they come up, plus exclusive content if you subscribe to iTunes because I come out with that, you know, Every once in a while, I'm meeting a lot of people, talking to a lot of great minds in supply chain, and I want to be able to share as much as I can with you. Thank you again for joining me on the show today, and remember everybody, ship happens.